Well, we finally have an election south of the border that has been decided, or at least it seems to be decided. I don't know what the outcome will be in terms of any legal challenges or anything like that, but it appears as though things have finally wound up or wound down, however you want to see that. You know, President Trump has faced uh, significant obstacles, and President-elect Biden is going to face significant obstacles. And the ways moving forward for him especially, uh, I think, are going to impact Canada and who knows how drastically. And so we need to be praying for that for sure. Church leaders in response to world events often encourage us to pray. And again, just like I said earlier, like we ask each other sometimes to pray for these things, but then we kind of out of sight, out of mind, we move on. And unless you make an intentional effort to put this on your prayer list and say, I'm going to pray specifically about this matter, we oftentimes don't. So let me just say that I hope that in response to what's been going on in our world, certainly with COVID uh, and the the rise in numbers around the world and, and certainly in Alberta, but then also the issues having to do with the presidential election in the United States, I just hope that you really do seriously pray about this. We would love to have God's intervention for him to come and intercede and do something in our world that would be positive and, and um, upbuilding and encouraging. So please make sure that you actually pray about that. And, and in fact, uh, let me not just talk about it, but let me do it. So let me pray right now and ask God to be with us. Lord, we do face these uh, troubled times, difficult times. And it's, uh, it's beyond each one of our control, but it's not beyond yours. And so, Lord, I'd pray that you would be with our situation here as far as uh, the, the pandemic, the rise in cases, the number of lives that are threatened, the filling up of hospitals, all those kinds of things. Lord, I'd pray that you'd bless us with a, uh, with a quieting of all of that. I'd pray that you'd help us to be, as a province, as a nation, help us to be responsible in such a way that the number of cases can be reduced. Uh, just help us to respond well to all of that. And then, Lord, I, I pray for the situation in the United States. I'd, I'd pray that there could be a, a sense of calm and peace, that things could move in a positive direction. And, and Father, there are people, no doubt, even listening to me right now, who are uh, all over the map in terms of their response to the election. But, but God, we, we need for you to come and intercede and to be both with the outgoing president and with the incoming president and with all the residents of that country. And and then it is going to impact us. It can't help but impact us. And so, Father, we pray that it would impact us in positive ways. And we especially pray that you'd be working together for your good in these things and that somehow your will would be done and furthered. And, God, we pray that you'd help us as much as we possibly can to contribute to your will, to its propagation in our world, that things can develop the way you want them to develop. Help us to to be a part of all of that. We pray this morning through Christ. Amen. Well, last week, we started just a couple of lessons here on the subject of eschatology. And here's what we looked at last week, that God has a goal for creation. An increase of evil may be evident, But nonetheless, the return of Christ is assured. We know that with that coming is going to be judgment and even hell. We didn't talk very much about hell and exactly what all that was, but we did mention hell. 
that God's presence community on, on a new earth is what's coming for us eventually and a certain assurance of our salvation. And all of this, I think, does give us some sense of assurance during the most difficult of times. And so as I was watching uh, last night and listening to what Joe Biden had to say and watching the whole victory speech and all that kind of thing, and, uh, you know, there's a new vice president. I don't know what to think of these people. I don't know them personally. I don't know what's going to happen and what they're going to do, what they're going to be like, how they're going to live their lives as uh, leaders of a country. I don't know the ways in which that's going to impact us. I don't know what's going to happen with our economy here in the future as we move forward. There's a lot of question marks, it seems to me. I mentioned last week that I do think that things are headed, rather than in a positive direction, perhaps in a negative one. And in fact, God may be anticipating that. He may have even predicted that. And we haven't really experienced anything quite like this in, in quite some time. Now, I know that there have been actually worse times in the past, that's for sure. I, I can't imagine what it would have been like At different times in history, for example, I have two sons. I can't imagine what it would have been like to know that those two sons, as they grow into adulthood, are going to have to go off to war. But there are families around us everywhere who have had to negotiate just that kind of circumstance. I didn't have to deal with that, and I'm grateful. But sometimes people have. And so these are hard times for sure. I don't think they're the worst times. They're hard times, though, and we want God to be with us. I'm grateful that there can be some assurance uh, in our lives despite the fact that things are going on the way that they are. And I I mentioned a few moments ago the notion of praise. I really hope that praise is an outcome of what we're experiencing. So I look at this list and I think, well, God is with us. He's blessing us. He's doing something. He's taking all of this in a direction. And as he takes it in his direction, I want to praise him. And so I hope that when you're here this morning, or if you're online this morning, that you have in your heart great praise for God, for what it's, he's done, and what he's doing, for the ways in which he's working among us. I want to anticipate the justice that we, as Christians, can help bring about in our world. And we want so badly for God to work among us in order to bring those things about. So I praise him, and I thank him for all that he's done, and in what he is doing to bring about wonderful things for us. Now, nonetheless, there are some questions still to be answered about what is coming for us. And there probably isn't a person here or online who hasn't at some point said to him or herself, what is, what's going to happen at the end? What's going to happen to me at the end? Where are things headed in terms of our lives personally? And so I'm just going to say a few things about that this morning, and hopefully this will be encouraging and a blessing to you. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you're in a Bible underneath the seats this morning, that's on page 815. If you're at home with your own Bible, I can't tell you what page number that's on. You're going to have to figure that out. 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to start with verse 19 this morning. And here's what it says. It says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And the last enemy, verse 26 says, that is going to be destroyed is death. 
And so death itself is going to be destroyed. And that's really the first thing I want to say about this passage. And that is that eternal life is actually the overcoming of death and everything death-like. And so we live in a, a, a society right now that sees some things heading toward death. Like it doesn't feel good to have to wear masks all the time because you know that if you don't wear a mask, somebody could give something to you, which if you're maybe as old as me, but certainly those who are older and have health conditions could find themselves in a position of risk, maybe even when it comes to death. I mentioned to you last week that my daughter-in-law has lost an uncle specifically to COVID. He had some pre-existing conditions. That's the normal case, of course. If you're in your 70s or in your 80s or in your 90s, we've got pre-existing conditions. This pandemic can get you. And it did him. I met him at my son's wedding a few years ago. He was the one that brought all the ferns. He was the big LSU fan. And we talked about the Oregon Ducks and the LSU Tigers. And he's not there to talk to me about LSU anymore because he's passed away specifically because of contracting this disease. Death comes to us, and it's certainly evident now. You know, I remember several years ago when Robin and I went to Europe, uh, we had a chance to spend some time in the Munich area, and not far from Munich is the concentration camp Dachau. And you don't smell it anymore. You don't see all the death that was there anymore. What you see are photographs. And what you see are some implements of death. And so there are some ovens there. There are uh, places in a wall that we looked at where there are bullet holes still present in the wall from where prisoners were executed. And so in some sense, death is still there. But it's not like it was when the Allies first arrived in that place and literally smelled death everywhere. Death is pervasive It impacts things. But what this text says in 1 Corinthians 15 is that this death-likeness that is so present in our world is actually overcome in Christ. We receive new life in Christ. And so there's a sense in which, not yet, but then when death is going to be entirely defeated. You know, it's because of sin that death came into the world. But Jesus dies on the cross to forgive sin, to defeat sin and defeat death. And so while evil is even more likely, I think, now to increase than it's ever been, nonetheless, we know that the outcome with death in the end is that it's been defeated. Death is a lame duck president. Death is waiting for its final days. And we know, because of what Jesus has done, that those days of death's control are numbered. And so no matter what might be happening here right now, and the worries that we still have, even about something like death, nonetheless, Christ is in control. And because we are his children, we have the opportunity to rest secure in him. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And so death has been defeated. I'm grateful that Christ has defeated it. The second thing that we want to see is that our new resurrected lives are grounded in Christ as the first fruits 
the first fruits of resurrection. That's who Jesus is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 says, look at this, that Christ is raised as the first fruits. And, and that's one of the reasons that we constantly need to be praising him. Praise the Lord that Jesus has offered himself, becoming then the first fruits of resurrection from the dead. He's no longer dead, but came to live. And we have a chance then to live also. And so again, praise you, Lord Jesus, right now. We just praise you, God, for giving us Christ and allowing him to live, for defeating death, for allowing us to praise you in song. Praise you with our lives as we recognize what it is that Jesus has done. And so we're not reflective anymore, necessarily, of a a, a life dominated by sinfulness. Because we are, in fact, raised. In fact, raised in one sense now. We've talked before about this word proleptic. And, And you may not remember this, but the word proleptic means to bring something in in advance of its actual coming. So the kingdom is on its way. And resurrection has already proleptically brought into our world the realities of the kingdom that is on its way. And so there is new life now. There are first fruits of living now. There's joy now. There's excitement now. There's defeat of death now. And while these days we look at things and say, wow, I don't know what we're going to do. Even now, we can rejoice because Jesus has himself first been raised as the first fruits, giving us a foretaste of what is to come, even for ourselves. And so there's new life, there's new kingdom, a world with an opportunity for it to be changed because of what Jesus has done as the first fruits. Now, one of the beautiful things about this is that Christ's resurrection as his first fruits is actually the source of new life. I want you to look at verse 22. It says there that so in Christ, all will be made alive. The expression made alive is a compound verb. Made alive. And it's the same way in Greek in one sense as it is in English, except that it's just one word in Greek, it's not two. But you've got there the word made, things have been made, and then you've got the notion of it being alive. Things have been made alive. And we've talked before in our church about the word life. Do you remember this? We've got a specific word that we have referred to numerous times in terms of life, not just being alive, but being life, filled with life. What is, what's the word? Somebody here is going to be able to tell me, and I hope there's all these people at home right now who are shouting it at their televisions or at their monitors or whatever they're looking at and saying that life, what, what's the word for that? Do you remember? Zoe. Yeah, Zoe, the name Zoe. That means life, but it doesn't mean just I'm alive. It means life, like seized life. And that's what the text here says has happened to Jesus. That Jesus, it says, was made alive, which means that he didn't just come back to life like he was dead, but now he's living again. It means that when Jesus came back to life, He started a new life, and not just one that just exists alive, but with quality of life, a new life before his father, so that Jesus himself in his new life is really living. And then says that we receive this new life in him. 
And so we get this now. He, he was the first fruits of this resurrection, and he starts to pour this new life into our present so that we start to experience some of that now and then know that at one, at one point in the future, this new life is going to absolutely become final for us and complete. And so we possess something wonderful now and not just in the future because of what Jesus has done as the first fruits who brings new zoe, new abundant life to us. Now, despite the promises of new life, we still wonder what it will be like. And I want to talk now just about a couple of things that it means for us to, to look toward the future and ask the question, what is this going to be like for us in the future? And first of all, I just want to say, and this is exciting for so many of us, we are going to receive new spiritual bodies. And these bodies are going to be real bodies with really defined shape, hard parameters, a spiritual version of what we know now for sure, but not just disembodied existence. The Bible doesn't seem to indicate we're going to be floating around as ghosts with no bodily presence at all. And so look down in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look down at verse 42. Look what this says about our new spiritual bodies. It says, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. Just as, we've been just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, Paul says, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. Now just take note of this. He's going to give us some insight into a mystery here. And I don't get the mystery. I don't get all of this. But I think I get some parts of it. And some parts of it that I get, I really like. I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. That is a beautiful picture of what's going to happen to us. Especially when I think of all those people in the world who don't necessarily have the greatest experience in this life of a, in their physical realities. You know and I know that there are people in our world who are grossly handicapped. And I mean grossly in the sense that to a great extent. I just mean that they've experienced something that for them is, is so debilitating, so heart-wrenching for us as we watch people struggle with the various things that they have to struggle with. You know, I, I joke sometimes about the fact that I've lost my hair, and one of these days I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to getting all that back. But really, is that what we should be concerned about with our new spiritual bodies? There are people who all their lives have been heartbroken because of the physical realities that limit them. There are children who can't go out and play like the other children. There are people who can't work like all other people are working and would love to work in the ways that they can. 
there are people who are debilitated in so many limiting ways. And, and Paul says here that we're going to receive a new spiritual body, which my sense is is not going to be limited. And so all these things that have held people down and sometimes broken their hearts are going to be relieved with the new spiritual body that they now receive in Christ. You know, it's N.T. Wright who probably does more with this than anybody else these days. Talks a lot about the new resurrected body that we're going to receive. Talks about the new heaven and the new earth where we're going to receive it. And our existence where we're going to be raised from the dead to live this new life. And I think Wright has this right. I think he's correct. That the new life that we're going to receive in Jesus is so wonderful and yet not completely detached from what we experience here. Robin said to me this morning as we're getting ready for this, she said, nonetheless, don't you think things are going to be drastically different? Like right now we think of beautiful mountains and beautiful streams and and there are wonderful things about our earth that we enjoy, but don't you think it's going to be even that much more? Well, I think you're right, honey. I think things are going to be drastically different in so many wonderful ways. So you think at the very best that we have here on earth, the most enjoyable experiences that we have here, and multiply it by what? A thousand? A million? Eternity? I don't know all the ramifications of new bodily life in Christ, but it is going to be wonderful. Things will be changed, it says. And so there is a real Stanley Cup maybe up there somewhere the Flames have a chance to really win it. If Edmonton ever wins it, which is inevitable because eternity is a really, really long time, we will actually rejoice that they too have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. There are some things about heaven I can't really begin to understand. Edmonton winning is one. But nonetheless, God can do something for us even as wonderful as that. Well, A second thing, and we'll finish with this today, we will live eternally on a new earth in the presence of God. I'm not going to read Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4 today. But there John says that in our new heaven and our new earth, there is no more death, no more tears, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. And that's because the Lord, it says, will be our God and we will be his people and one with him. I don't know all that it means for us to receive new life at the end. But being in the presence of our Lord sounds absolutely wonderful to me. Now, I can't tell you how all this will be. I don't know exactly the ways in which we would want to express it Um, it's kind of beyond me. And that's because I've never experienced just how wonderful heaven is. But I have seen some circumstances where people have experienced something so new and so different that it totally blew them away. And I think we're going to be blessed by a couple of videos that we're going to show now. Um, I I don't know if those are queued up and ready to go, Dustin. But what we're going to do, these are just a couple of videos of people who have never heard before, now being able to hear. Now, just think about this. Like, I don't know what the circumstance would be 
inside your head. When all of a sudden, sound started coming in and doing something within you when you had never heard sound before. Like, what if you had never heard your own voice before? And suddenly, you can. And so we're going to watch a couple of these of people who are absolutely blown away by the experience of hearing. And then I'll lead us in prayer. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. But it is going to be wonderful. On that day, when death is defeated, when all the things that have made life here difficult are transcended by the reality that is the risen Christ and who gives us new zoe, life in him, and gives it to us abundantly and gives it to us eternally. What a joy that will be, something that we probably can't begin to express or even fathom as we're blown away by what it is that Christ gives us in the end. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blessing of life in you. And as I get older, I I find myself praying more often, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would. We long to be with you and to experience things that we can't now begin to fathom, that we know will just blow us away, leave us sobbing, shaking as we see your glory. Come quickly, Christ, we pray.